Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Harder to Kill podcast. I'm your host, Coach Shannon. This week on the pod with me, I have Coach Gabe. Hi, Hello. Coach Gabe. How are you doing? I Oh, good. You're going to ask me how I'm doing. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I like to keep you on your toes. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, actually. I am a little bit upset about the weather, so I think we could go ahead and continue the trend. Um, from last week, me and Peyton talked, talked about the weather. <coughs> Really? So okay. the weather, the weather update for you guys, um, it is Thursday, October, I don't know the date, uh, 20 something, 21st, October okay, 21st, yep. um, afternoon. And it's been very overcast the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. So I have not yes. enjoyed that. What about you? Do you enjoy sunny weather? Or do I, you like I vibe a lot with this sweater weather. <laughs> I like, I like to have a sweater on and sweats. Oh yeah. Um, me and Gabe are also dressed alike today. Yep. Gray joggers and the green green crew necks. Yeah, we got shirt. the same print too. Cause like I was gonna grab my other green Warrior CrossFit. Oh, with the gold. With in... the with the gold, yeah. Yeah. But it was on the bottom of my pile. I'm like, ah, oh, just. So did you have both of the crew necks in that one? So you have this two one? crew necks with the two different designs on it. Yeah, I have one of each. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have that in the hoodie. Oh, yeah. So I don't... Oh, maybe I did get one of the hoodies. But I have both crew necks. I don't I know if you have a crew neck. But Isabel has the crew neck in the other one in mm. the, with the other design. And um, so every once in a while, our laundry gets crossed over and I like found it in my laundry one day. And then I have... I've also worn it as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, I just thought that it was funny that I showed up today and we're like wearing the same outfit. I like the crew neck a lot. I like the way it feels, and I also like the the look of it. Yeah, so hopefully yours is dark. Is yours darker than mine? Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. I wonder if you washed yours a lot more than mine. Maybe. Maybe our water's different because I don't have like city water. I don't know if maybe it doesn't like fade it as much. I don't know. Yours is definitely more maybe faded I'm, than mine. Mine's got that fluoride. <laughs> um, I probably also do my laundry less than you. I don't know how. How, how do you? How often do you do your laundry, Gabe? And not. You don't. I'm not the one who does it because I'm still at home. You don't do your laundry? Not my own. Really? It's just communal. It all gets done at the same time. That's nice. So what do you guys have? Like, a, Do you like take your laundry to the laundry room and then somebody that goes in the laundry room just like puts laundry in? Or Yeah, like we all put laundry in the same basket. Oh, okay. That's yeah. nice. Because at my house, like everybody has their own laundry basket and oh, then they okay. have to like do their own. Okay. Or yeah. like... I might go into somebody's room and grab their laundry basket mm-hmm. and put it in the washing machine. But mm-hmm. generally our clothes are not that combined other than like the bathroom. So at my house with like all the people that live there, we have a laundry basket in every room of the house. Oh, bathroom. Really? Okay. I have even one in my dining room because mm-hmm. I shit you not. My dining room and like living room fills up with clothes somehow. I don't know how, but it's just <laughs> easier if there's just one there. And then you yeah. just, so like those, so the bathroom one and the dining room are, dining room one can sometimes get like crossed with people's clothes but like i have my own so when my basket gets full i just i usually tell someone to put it in the washing machine Mm -hmm. for me but um so yeah i don't know laundry is kind of a i mean you guys have a lot of people that live at your house too so it's kind of a yeah so my my, kind of annoying well yeah my brother's moved out but laundry is the bane of my existence for real yeah well it's a lot of prep and then post I don't know how to sip Folding. my water like you were doing that. You have to purse your lips. Mm. 
you take in more air than you do water. And maybe I don't doing. have a good. Uh, you have you have a better. Cup yeah, for that, you you maybe. need like a close like you need like a a little mouth hole. <laughs> Gabe just wants you guys to know how important it is to drink water. Yeah. So he every time he takes a drink of water, he's gonna. He's going to sip loudly gonna, so that you know. <laughs> I'm going to sip obnoxiously so you can't help it. Like. <laughs> so you know how many times in an hour you should yep. be drinking water. Yep, yep, yep. Gabe, have you figured it out? Have you taken your like 80 ounces and divided it by how many like sips? sips? <laughs> <laughs> no, sips I haven't done per that. hour that you need? Because I feel like that's something you, you would do. That's more math than I care to do. That's more Even math? Even for myself, yeah. Really? Are you not a math person? I'm a math person, but I don't you are? count my sips. <laughs> That's a lot. You're not that OCD? It's probably, <laughs> probably in the thousands. Like if you realistically, like you think how many times you sip water, at least a couple hundred, maybe a thousand. A what? Stretch. In a day? Yeah. Well, you know, you're not like, unless you're just like guzzling it every time you go for it. You I take mean, a little sip. I probably do more than a sip of water, probably. Well, yeah. For me, yeah, usually it's a I think, more. I feel like your math is definitely off on that. If you're drinking 80 ounces and you have 24 hours, that's like, I don't know. How much is an ounce? I don't know. Like in a drink? I have no idea. You'd have to like measure it. I'd say like the typical mouthful is probably like... Do you think it's an ounce? One to two ounces, I would say. Really? So how are you doing a thousand sips? Well, because I haven't done the math. Oh, and a a sip is probably less than an ounce? That's my uneducated guess. Okay. I'd say... (laughs) 40 mouthfuls of water, does that sound right? A day to get 80 ounces? Maybe. Maybe it's it's closer to... Maybe a mouthful is closer to an ounce. You know what you should do? Um, Are you going to do the winter challenge or whatever we're calling it? Yeah, probably. Okay. I think you're supposed to get 80 ounces a day in that. Okay. You should do some research for us, and then you can report back on the pod. On I'll do a chart of how many sips per day, and then I'll average them out. Yeah. And then I'll take, on average, how many. There well, maybe I'll, I'll organize them into sips. I a think s- this is a good coaching opportunity for you, A sip, you, a drink, and a gulp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three different categories. Just break it down for people. Um and that would be amazing like tell us exactly how many drinks we need to get in and then we can break that down per hour for everyone Mm -hmm. that that you're awake Mm -hmm. right because if you're getting your supposed eight hours you really only have 16 hours a day to drink water that really is like even if it's just an ounce per time you sip it like that's 80 sips it's not that bad i don't think 80 sips would not be that bad and for 16 how many times do you like blink? Well, you probably do blink like thousands. Well, right. <laughs> it's, it's just like. Every time you blink, guys, now you need to be aware. <laughs> Every time you blink now, you need to take a sip of water. You'll Every get to your 80 ounces like super fast. Do you ever imagine how crazy you would go if you just counted all the things you've done like involuntarily? Like, every time you blink. Every time you swallow. Your heart beats. Is that what you mean by involuntarily? Yeah. Because like your brain's constantly doing stuff. Right. Here's the thing, though. I don't know if I would factor in heart beating because it just does its own thing. Mm-hmm. Like blinking and swallowing, you can control it, but you you will naturally just do it without oh, thinking about it. But you don't control your heartbeat. You know, you 
you can control your heartbeat by like what physical activity you do, but you can't like consciously yeah. force your heart to beat <laughs> faster. I guess I can't anyway. That would be wild. I don't, I don't have that like kind of It's not a voluntary muscle. It's an involuntary <laughs> muscle. That's elementary school science right there, Gabe. It's biology 101. All right, guys. So we're going to hold Gabe to this. He's going to do some... Uh, some research for us on once the challenge starts how many no you need to do it before the challenge starts oh, you need to take okay, a day to do okay. your 80 ounces so that you can tell us so that when the challenge comes we can all make sure we get our water point fair every enough. day fair enough do you know how many ounces are in these yetis uh that's a 20 ounce probably okay i don't know for sure it doesn't have anything on the bottom and it really actually annoys me because well, Gabe. Oh, no. It's really tiny print, 20 ounces. Okay. I was going to say, you could measure it at home with another measuring I device. Know, like, <laughs> why? why? <laughs> 20 ounces, and if you're... There you go. 20 ounces is your little tumbler Euro- there. If you're European, it's 591 milliliters. Oh, okay. Um, mine is... I have a hydroflask, and mine's the 24 ounce. Okay. So it's not exactly divisible Whoa, by 80. Oh, 24 ounce? Yeah. I guess mine's but a little mine's wider, skinny. but it, it looks... Yeah. Oh, man. It looks like... Um, I try to drink four of these a day, but I also, it depends on the day because if I'm at home, I actually don't drink out of this. I only drink out, I leave this in my car all the time and I bring Mm -hmm. it into places that I go like into the gym or any other place that I go, but I leave it in my car all the time. So when I'm at home, I actually drink out of a 12 ounce ball jar and I keep track of my ounces that way when I'm actually trying to like be super, like if I'm doing a challenge and I need to know exactly how many ounces I'm drinking, then I will make sure that I'm always drinking out of like something that is measured. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. And then I also try not to with my hydro flask. Like I try to drink the whole thing and not dump it out and then like, yes, refill yes. Or, like, I don't like to refill it until I've drank the whole thing. Yeah, because, because then I'll lose track. Yeah. Cause then you don't know like how mm. much you've had or whatever, which it's actually hard to do that, especially if you didn't finish your whole one. And then like, I also like to, I was talking about uh, this to um, Brady the other day. He says he won't drink water that's been in in his cup like he'll dump it out and start over and i'm the same way i don't like for a while yeah so like if i don't drink all of what i have in my hydro then the next day when i come into the gym i will dump it out and fill it all the way to the top yeah overnight yeah i don't like to do that i don't i will start with a fresh yeah i don't mind too much as long as it's cold oh it has to be cold see i don't care if it's cold see if it sits overnight and it's still cold i'm fine Usually sometimes we'll just toss in some ice cubes or something or just oh, refill it with like, like cold water. my kids like to do that. They like to put ice cubes in there, but I just fill mine with cold water. And even if it's not cold, I don't care. Like I'll drink Luke. I'll drink like oh, yeah. temperature, room temperature Yeah, water. I don't have any issues with it sitting in there. I just don't like it. Like oh. not cold. I also don't wash my cup very often, which is probably bad news. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you need to worry about is like the where you put your mouth. The rest mm. of it's like... If you only well, drink water. My mouth's probably pretty clean, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> you brush it, right? Do I brush my teeth? Oh, well, yeah. I do brush my teeth. Okay. Floss. Yeah. I do floss my teeth. Okay. Well, then you don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. Um, I, I really do- don't think there'd be any possible way that bacteria could grow in your mouth if you brush and floss regularly. Um, I do need to go to the dentist, though, because um, I do have something going on with my teeth on the top and the back. So on the Like pain side. or... I just... Um, I had braces when I was a teenager and they separated all my back teeth by just like a tiny bit. So now my back, like in between my back teeth are like have cavities and stuff. Oh, yeah. and I was supposed to get it fixed, 
like a while ago mm-hmm. and I have never done it. And now it's starting to like bother me a little bit. So now I've waited too long to like get it taken care of. Because mm-hmm. my dentist will say stuff like, yeah, you need to get this taken care of, but it doesn't like you need to do it right away. Like you could wait a little bit, but I think I've maybe waited too long. And now I'm like, now I have to go. Yeah. Now I have to go get it. I, um, I had braces, but I didn't have any, I didn't have to get my wisdom teeth pulled. It never caused me too much trouble. Your wisdom teeth? Yeah. You, you have your wisdom teeth? Mm-hmm. Damn, that's amazing. I don't have mine. Because I mean, like a little bit of crowding. I think you're young still, though. Like my husband didn't have his pull till he was like thirty. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had any. As long as you don't have any issues, they won't pull him. But see, what <laughs> happened with his was like one side started bothering him, so he went and got it pulled. I and think... then the other side started bothering him. Then he went and got that pulled. But I mean, he was in his thirties when he had his wisdom right. teeth pulled. Right. I think the thing is, though, like they, I don't think they'll pull just one anymore. I think they'll pull it's either they'll pull all of them or they'll make sure to pull the top and the bottom one depending on which side oh because if you have like you think about it it's like they're applying force on each other and if you take one away then it's applying an uneven force on the top side or bottom side so i guess i don't know exactly i mean he just went to the regular dentist to have it done because his teeth were already grown in they weren't like like mine were starting to grow i was like 19 and it was like unbearable pain i was like calling my mom i was in college and i called her and was like begging her to get me an appointment it was like right hurting so much the only the only pain i ever had was the process of it breaking through the gums oh yeah because they're that's annoying yeah Yeah, so you got all your teeth in there huh uh huh. Until someone, I've had dreams of like getting my teeth knocked out, and it like scares me. Because <laughs> of like, all the investment in your teeth. <laughs> it's just teeth. It's like, what am I gonna do? Like, go get it? Like a, what do they call those? Implants. Yeah. Veneers. Or something. Veneer. Yeah. yeah. Veneers. It's Dentures. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which they have the thing where it's like a basically a retainer where they have one tooth attached. And you're just uh yeah, bridge. Yeah. Yep. I might end up Quite with cool. one of those, but usually what they do is they they'll do an implant, and so they'll put. They'll actually install like a screw into your bone and then the Ooh. tooth will like attach to that. Ugh. So it's, it's, yeah, it's not the greatest. Scary. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So now that we've talked about the weather and the dentist, Water, I feel like teeth. I am, I feel like I am an, on an episode of YMH, which is a very inappropriate podcast, but, um, they, what, what's it called? Your mom, your mama's house, your mom's house. Yeah. Oh, I think I don't listen to that. I thought, I thought you said YMA. I'm like, what's the H? H for? Yeah, no, I didn't mean to bring it up. Actually, it's just it's kind of a joke because that's like the weather and the dentist <laughs> is like a really boring topic, you know. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, we can move on. All right, uh, Gabe. So you did the Central Regional yes. competition? Yes, and I did. Well, you hadn't done a competition in a while. How did that go? Last competition would have been. 2020 i think i did a weightlifting meet in 2019 at some point and then also had the um central not central regional you did urban street. urban street games that yeah. was like when so you were not even doing crossfit right that hurt your yeah. knee a lot didn't it yep didn't that kind of precipitate you doing the knee um procedure that you had done i mean the thing I is i feel like you had it done like not that long after that yeah i mean i think i just like got to the point where i was like i'm done dealing with this because for a long time, I I didn't know, like, if it was a serious knee injury or if it was just something minor that... Like chronic? Because, you know, mm-hmm. you got, like, if you're, if you ever are dealing with something and you're thinking of going to a doctor or some sort of specialist, it's like, 
well, what if you kind of are almost wishing for like a negative diagnosis because it's like, well, if it's not something like seriously wrong, then like, what are they going to do about it? Right. So that's why I never go for my back. Right. So for a long time, I'm like, I don't think this is serious, but like it also, yeah, it also is bugging me. I don't know if it necessarily, I mean, it definitely played a role in me making that decision, but I had been dealing with it for, well, since high school, so close to five years and I would have, it was basically a pattern of me getting it to a point where it felt good. And then as I would progress with my training, it would progressively get back to like very painful, Mm -hmm. could barely like squat, like even sitting down to something would bother yeah my my knee and definitely like at that point urban street games i i had been there's a point in time where i'd been dealing with the pain and i was trying to manage it yeah and then i was like oh there's like an opening on a team for urban street games like i'll do that <laughs> when i i i pretty much knew out of the get-go i'm like i shouldn't do this this is probably a bad idea yeah but yeah. I think it was a good learning experience for me because, I mean, I'd understood for a long time that I just can't like I can't do everything or else I'm going to get messed up. But, yeah, like, I think that was like a good lesson as well. It kind of just drove the point home for me that like I don't need to do everything. I can leave a little bit on the table and still make progress. Yeah, I know. feel like I still have the need to ask you about it, though, like when I see you doing squats and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you never know if it's, especially if you know someone has an injury, it's like, yeah. You but make how sure have not, you been doing with your squat? Dude, awesome. It's been awesome. So you've been back um, to like snatching and yeah. cleaning, like, cause you did all the, did you do, you did all the squat cleans, didn't you? Yeah. Squat clean, squat snatch. Did you end up getting a PR? I can't remember what you told me. On my squat clean? Yeah. The, yeah. The like the squat? first, well, the first time we tested, this is interesting. Cause it's like, my strength went up, but because I wasn't able to squat, like I wasn't able to like display specifically in the clean, like the progress I had made. Yeah. So like after that surgery, like I came back and like probably my heaviest clean was like 240. Mm-hmm. I hit a 255 clean, like when we first tested and then we retested and I hit 260. So it's like, I don't know. It's just, it was interesting to see that like progression even though i hadn't been able to like squat specifically yeah i actually know exactly what you're talking about it's weird when um when your general fitness and your overall strength goes up you're still able to see progress on things you weren't able to specifically work on right and i do find that to be strange um i also find like that um you know, some of that stuff kind of does require some like technique a little bit. Right. But it comes back like pretty quick once you feel, start feeling comfortable with it. But I felt that way with like bar muscle ups. Like I had not been doing a lot of, um, you know, just like kipping gymnastics style stuff just because mm. I was trying to give my back a little bit, bit of a break because, um, <clears throat> when I go into that extension, it can really light my back up. So think about kipping and every time you go into that arch position, it's really can get my back, especially if I'm really doing like I'm keeping the tension and I'm like really keeping my legs straight. 
It puts mm-hmm. so much. Like I feel it all in like my lower back. So I kind of have to, I kind of have to do a little bit of like shitty gymnastics in order right. to not get that pressure on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I did a whole workout just recently with a bar muscle ups and I was just like, I don't know why I can still do these. But, <laughs> um, yeah. It's just one of those things that like once you, once you have done it before, even if you don't do it for a while, as long as you're keeping up your fitness, like, yeah, you, you know. might need like a couple of training sessions or practice sessions to kind of like regain some of that efficiency, but it is kind of amazing how like fast right. it comes back to you. Like you'll need to refamiliarize yourself with the movement, but I think it's like, I think it seems strange, but I also think it's like encouraging for people who do have an injury. Cause it's like, that's why we talk about all the time that if you have an injury that you should still do what you can to maintain your fitness mm-hmm. as much as you can without pain. Cause it's like, if your general fitness goes up, like you're going to like, like for me, my squat got stronger even though I wasn't squatting. And that's mm-hmm. because I was still like, like even though I wasn't squatting, I was still like using my legs for other things. Mm-hmm. And I was like getting general, well, you like, were able more to do like fit. single leg work and like that kind of stuff too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like single leg RDLs or deadlifts and mm-hmm. regular deadlifts and stuff like that. Step downs, that type of thing. Yeah. So it was, you know, you just do what you can so that you don't elicit pain and you can still get stronger in those areas. Yeah. I think that that is definitely something that we've kind of honed in on over the past mm-hmm. like couple of years, like really getting people to realize that there's still a lot that you can do towards your fitness. Right. Sometimes you're limited to like one machine, maybe like the bike and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting so tired of this. Mm-hmm. But knowing that, um, Your situation's temporary. It's like always temporary, right? Like even if temporarily is a year, like it's still temporary. Or or multiple years, right? Like it's still temporary. And you're still, you're still getting fitter. Even even if you're stuck to like the bike or whatever. Like think back to when we, you know, had our at home program during quarantine. It's like, you could still make really good fitness and get more fit. Like maybe because you're not using a barbell, like your deadlift's not going to go like skyrocket or anything like that. But it's like you're it's not still going to go it, away either. No, yeah. you might need to like get reaccustomed to it. But it's like you're still going to be able to make really good fitness. And that's yeah. like an extreme case where we only had like we were running outside because it's like most people didn't have like a bike or a rower at home, and you're mm-hmm. just using a dumbbell or a jump rope or something. Yeah. Like it's 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 really easy to when you have a a limiting factor like that to really focus in on the one or two Mm -hmm. things you can't do Mm -hmm. and your mind just completely shuts out everything else that you can do. Yeah. Where you really need to lean into the things that you can do because it'll get better. It's like, it's really comparable to like, take for example, a deadlift. Like if you deadlift just like straight grip or something Mm -hmm. and then you start like using a hook grip, or you know like straps or something like that it's like your grip was your limiting factor and then you take away the limiting factor and it's like you're able to like express like Mm -hmm. Like the the strength that you've built right it's the same thing with an injury it's like you can still get stronger and more fit you just have this limiting factor now Mm -hmm. and once you've progressed to the point where you can take away that limiting factor like you're going to be back to where you were pretty pretty much Mm -hmm. you know 
pretty closely. So I think like, too, like I don't know, t- I'm, take someone like Esther who has a similar knee thing to right. you. Um, she had a similar procedure, and I don't think hers has been as successful as right, yours because right, yours right. is pretty much you're good to go, right? Yeah, yep. And so, I think I was thinking about that, and there there might be a few um, factors that play into that because I'd been dealing with it for like five years and I had tried a lot of different things to help it. Mm-hmm. So when I first, I, and I had actually went to sports medicine up in Iowa city, I think a year before. Cause I went there one time and then I like a year later, I like reached out again to try mm-hmm. and like get it ad- like addressed further. And at first they wanted me to do like, you know, physical therapy and stuff like that. And I like, I did it. Yeah. Like, cause I'm like, okay, well, let's try it. Like I'd never done physical therapy yeah. before. So I did it uh, for a little while and I had pretty much already done all the kinds of things that, you know, are done in physical therapy. Like basically trying, cause it was a tendon issue for me, mm-hmm. just loading the, the tendon as much as I can, mm-hmm. you know, slowly and just building up strength. Like mm-hmm. I did a lot of single leg work, like single leg RDLs. Um, single leg step downs from a box wall sits the kind of like you know like slow squats to a box to a depth that didn't bother my knee just a lot of time under tension mm-hmm. and I think that build up my built up my tendons a lot mm-hmm. so that when I did have the surgery like yeah it got it got it got the stiff tendon out of there whatever tendon like was not doing what I needed it to do yeah it's like two things it got the bad tendon out it caused like localized inflammation, right? So like there was bleeding, like it was getting blood flow now because of that procedure. Right. And so it like rehealed and I'd been doing um, like, all that I pretty much, I pretty much done all the like physical therapy that I needed to do before I'd even had the surgery. Yeah. Right? So I think that played a big role into how well I recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also just very careful with, you know, like I, I squatted to a box like probably for a month or two before I, you know, like before I like, you know, and then from there I did Mm -hmm. low jumps and stuff and I just slowly got back into those kinds of things. But yeah, I didn't like, I power snatched, power cleaned. Mm -hmm. Um, I squatted to a box for a, a while, you know, I didn't do like super like, heavily plyometric movements like jumping or running yeah super heavily to start off with like I did a lot of skiing when I got like you know got back from that surgery so I think a lot of it had to do like the things I had done leading up to the surgery and then like being diligent about your rehab too right and then being diligent you know after I did have so my point um so I want to get to my point about Esther and then I'm going to ask you something else. Um, put Esther on blast. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not that at all. I just am using her as an example because not being able to use her knee for like a long time, she got really good at those heavier dumbbells. And oh, then yeah. I see her in like a workout like um, yesterday's, I don't know, Wednesday. I don't want to say like yesterday because everyone's like, but like the one where it was run a hundred meters, toast to bar, run a hundred meters, um and then push press yeah like she's able to use the 35 pound dumbbells oh yeah you know what i mean and it's just like that strength 
you would not have gained probably if you didn't if you didn't have that limiting yeah, factor that, that limiting, forced you to work on something yeah else. and so it's just like she was really able to build a lot of that like upper body strength and now you know the 35 pound dumbbells or 35 pound dumbbell snatch like any of that stuff is like it's like no problem for her right you know what i mean so yeah like put that in perspective i used 40s for that workout yeah like she used pretty much darn near the same weight that i used for, <laughs> for yeah. that workout like i scaled it down like, as well she's good at like dump heavy dumbbells now yeah so. the 35 pound dumbbells really gas me so i can use them and i do in workouts where it's appropriate to use 35 pound dumbbells mm-hmm. or like if it's like um you know something that's scored or maybe like for the open or you know something like that i will be forced to use 35s but um in a workout that's supposed to be condition um conditioning feel sustained pace like 35s are not conditioning slash sustained pace for me Mm -hmm. at all like i always get gassed with those stupid things so it has to be the right stimulus and the right workout for me to go for the 35s for sure yep so i'm definitely capable like on that workout that i just went over i'm definitely capable of doing the 35s for that like i could have done nine unbroken every round it just would have gassed me same thing for me on the 50s. Like, it would have blown my shoulders up and gassed me, and then it would have made it hard for me to run and do toast to bar. And so I just was like, this is going to be better if I just scale these down a little bit, and I'll be able to like stay moving better. Right. So yeah. I also scaled the run because I know that it's like, yep, I can run 100 meters, but <laughs> it's going to affect everything else I do. And so I would rather just shorten it a little bit. Yeah. I felt like I totally just flew under the radar with that workout because it's like, I feel like a lot of the workouts are like that in here to where it's like, I'm capable of doing this RX, but I'm not going to quite get the stimulus if I do. So I just need to like adjust it all down just like a tiny bit. Uh Like I just need slightly lighter dumbbells. I need a slightly less distance. You know what I mean? Um, And my toes to bar, I was able to get them all unbroken except the last round I failed my ninth rep. So I had to like jump down and jump up and like get like my ninth one like really quick. But it was just like... um, so, yeah, so sometimes I feel like I fly right under the radar on some of those. And then sometimes I take a chance and I'll like go for it RX and then I completely like screw it up. Like <laughs> I've the done day that, a couple times. yeah, like the day we had the wall walk up um, thruster workout. Oh I tried to do that one RX and it was a total train wreck. It was bad. It was very bad. Yeah, I, is that the one was like 115 for guys or something and um, 85 for gals or something? I did 95 pounds. So I feel it like was, it was 135, 95. Oh, thruster and uh, that I think yes, the RX yep, was yep, one thirty five ninety five. I think intermediate was one fifteen. Yes, yep. I ended up doing one fifteen because I normally do yeah. ninety five. But yeah, I knew. Yeah, I remember that workout. Very yeah. Well. So I don't I know knew. if it was the day. I thought I would be better at the wall walk ups that day, but I think that the volume of doing the all ten, then nine, then like. I don't know, man, that just was was, a lot that I definitely should have done the scaled or the intermediate like of that. And, and then on some of the workouts I did the intermediate and it's like, Oh yeah, maybe I should have actually tried the RX on that. So I kind of made some wrong calls like here and there a little bit with that. But, um, I wanted to ask you about, um, your ankle now. So how's that doing better, but not a hundred. Okay, so tell us what happened to your ankle, just in case people forgot. You know what's funny is like I've I've, I've told a few people. Well, I, I dropped a sandbag on my ankle, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is like when I tell people that they're like, don't really understand. Like, oh, okay, because you know you envision you just drop it like flat on the front. on your foot. Yeah. Yeah. As I'm old, that, that I, I basically hyperextended the, the arch of my foot because yeah. I like was it was when we we're doing those. You were walking. 
Yes, and it you was threw when we were doing those. It, when we were doing those carries, and I stepped through to drop it off my back, and my foot was my back foot, my right foot back. was planted on the ball of my foot. So if you can imagine, like toes, ball of the foot on the f- ground, heel up like I'm walking, and then the sandbag falls on my heel and super stretches out like my toes and the arch of my foot. Yeah. And then I knew immediately, like, oh, this is gonna be. <laughs> this is bad, bad news. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, it took a little while for the pain to set in. Cause that like, was like weeks ago now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, without like any issue like that where you like overload a tendon like that, like it, it takes like it's ten, taking tenon six stuff. to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which the nice thing is, though, like I'm still pretty much I'm able to do pretty much everything now. Like like after like the one to two week mark, I was I'm pretty much able to do everything I want to besides like running and then like basically running jumping is kind of off limits for me right now. I saw you doing thirty inch box jumps the other day. Oh yeah. So the thing the thing <laughs> about thirty six inch box. So here, here here's Did you the important thirty or the thirty six. Yeah, here's the 30- important distinction with that though is it's not plier plyometric meaning i jump and i land oh i don't have to jump land and rebound like your jump rope yep so like with yeah because like you're staying on the ball of your feet and you're just like rebounding off your foot this i can jump up and i'm jumping up and then my landing point is right there so it's not like i'm getting a big like impact on my feet careful about getting down and then i was like hand on the box to help me lower myself as I hop down. So like not all my weight was on my feet. So mm-hmm. yep. If I'm not landing on the ball of my foot from like a jump or something like that, then, then I'm pretty much okay. So yeah. Cause I remember like you were feeling better and then you did a workout with double unders and it like flared it up pretty yeah. hard. <laughs> I, I, I pretty, I pretty much, that was a little bit worse, but like I'm pretty much like day to day, like going through a phase of like a pattern of, Wake up, it's a little stiff. I take two ibuprofen in the morning, and then it feels better as I warm up and go through the day. Yeah. And then it gets a little sore Yeah. as the day goes on, and I will usually ice it in the evening just to kind of help keep that inflammation down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I used to be not super big on, like, taking, like, anti-inflammatories mm-hmm. like that, but, you know, just a little bit to kind of help the healing process, and then, you know... Just being just a little bit of ibuprofen can make a really big difference. I'm not a huge fan of taking pills either. Usually um, I'm I feel like pretty sensitive to like medications and stuff. It'll either give me a horrible stomach ache or I have other side effects that come along with it. And so I just usually try to avoid like all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, But I have definitely found that a little bit of ibuprofen can help out like quite a bit on stuff. the problem with ibuprofen is if you're like heavily using that over time, it really can affect like your liver functions and stuff like that. Yeah. So it is good to use it sparingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you're going through some sort of, you know, um, injury type thing, then you're going to be like fine to like take some. Right. Like when it, like the first week or so I was probably taking or maybe the first like half week or so I was probably taking like three to four ibuprofen a day just because it's like it was like really swollen too. three to like, four is not a lot per day because no, most no. of the time you can I, take I you can take four at a time <laughs> yeah isn't it like for six every four per hours day? isn't it six per day or is it eight per day that they recommend or no it's like so many like four every so you many hours you can take it every four hours four yeah. 
Okay. Every four hours, you can take four pills. Okay. That would be like the maximum. I think they would only want you. I think, though, there is probably like a 2,400 milligram limit per day. So you would only be able to do four pills three times per day. So, yeah, I mean, it just depends on what you have going on for sure. Like, yeah. um, but yeah, I hear you. I usually turn down like ibuprofen's usually okay. Um, but like if I have to go to the doctor for something and they want to give me some sort of pain medication, I have to be super careful. I'm so sensitive to that stuff. I do not like it at all. I, <laughs> like hydrocodone and like. Yes. Yes. I. <laughs> so I remember. Oxy. <laughs> I remember oxycodone. I when I first went to So I my my primary care provider is in the UIHC clinic that's here in Muscatine. Mm-hmm. So when I went to go when I wanted to go to sports medicine, I went here in town to then get to referred. To get your referral, yeah. Um which I don't even know if I technically need a referral. But anyway, um I went there and I'm like, I explained to them the situation about my knee and they gave me a referral to, um, sports medicine. And they gave me a prescription to fill out for pain, pain, pain medication. And I don't know, like, I, I'm not like opposed to taking medication, especially if you need it. But for me in that circumstance, I was like, I've been dealing with this for years Mm-hmm. And I know at this point that a painkiller isn't really going to... It doesn't make much of a difference. It, well, it might have helped the pain. I don't know. But I knew it wasn't going to be the solution to the problem. Right. So you didn't so want to like, like well, start that loop. I don't want... Yeah. I don't want to get yeah. into some sort of loop where I'm like taking pen, pain medication. I'm like, oh, it feels good. I hop off of it. And it's like, well, I didn't even fix the problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I either keep taking pain medication or I... Try to fix it. Yeah, try to fix it. Yeah, I mean, it's always a delicate balance with people because sometimes there isn't an easy fix for your problem, you know, so... Sometimes you're in immense pain. Like, this was like, you know, like, sharp pain, but like, I was... It's not like it affected my daily function to a significant degree, To a significant degree, So, like, if you're like... Like, for me, when I drop the sandbag on my ankle that was like i could hardly walk yeah for a few but days that's also an acute problem and not <laughs> right a chronic. No. yeah well that's true too yes yes so you yes. know that like okay i dropped a sandbag on my ankle like this is gonna heal up and be fine in like a few weeks and it's probably not gonna be like a chronic problem that you develop mm. after it especially if you you know allow it to heal or whatever um i do feel like a little bit differently about um like my back stuff because I don't have like debilitating pain to where I can't work and I can't do almost anything that I want to do you know so how do I go to a doctor and be like oh um yeah so I have this like chronic pain in my back and I'd really just like to not have it however I do CrossFit six days a week and you know what I mean like I do all this crazy shit and it's just like most people that are you know going to the pain clinic and getting treated for this kind of stuff is because they can't function well like at all like they can't even like get out of bed in the morning or Mm -hmm. there's 
you know, there's no way that they could come in and do like deadlifts. Like I just did deadlifts today. So how do I then go and tell anybody that like my back's bothering me? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so weird. Honestly, though, for me, movement, movement helps me a lot. Like I feel so much better if I'm active, Mm -hmm. if I'm up and around and, you know, doing deadlifts and stuff like that actually makes me feel better if I don't overdo it. Right. It's got to be the right dose, but yeah, yeah. it makes you feel like if I don't overdo it, I'm completely fine. And I actually feel better. Um, I feel worse if I like, if I take it like a day off or one of those like lazy days where you just sit all day long, I will feel worse the next day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I feel terrible. Yeah. So I don't like that at all. Yeah. I mean, that's like why, like there's a strong case to be made for like movement as medicine. Cause it's like same thing with like, like, let's say you had, like, an analogy in my head and it's leaving me. I'm trying to get it back. Oh. <laughs> that kind of stuff happens to me well, all the time. Well, it's, it's like medicine, right? Like, conventional medicine, like, you, you kind that you take. You know, it's like, same thing with fitness. It's like, your symptoms improve if you take the right medicine and the right dose. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing with fitness. It's like, you know you do movements that don't cause you pain and you do them to a degree that's not excessive for your body. And you feel a lot better like yourself, like in the summer when you have to work on your farm, it's mm-hmm. like you feel worse cause you're not getting the movement like that you would be getting like with a fitness program. I didn't do bad this year because I didn't have to drive as much. Oh, um, last year or the previous year. This did a last lot of, like, summer, driving, um, driving really, really, really gets to me a lot. Like yeah. that sitting position just absolutely kills me. It does help. Um, I have a lumbar support pillow anytime I need That's to drive helpful. for any distance at all. Not to mention the way those seats are made. It's just like a bucket, just like designed to like fold you in on yourself. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, not a big fan. Yeah, and I don't have, like, long legs. And so, and, and, you know, like, especially if I'm driving my truck or something, like, the seat is not built for someone who's my size. Right. I can't even reach the pedals, and my my butt cannot reach the back of the seat. So it's like, uh-huh. I end up sitting in the most, like, rounded back worst. You're just, like, pushing oh, your, like, so lower back awful. towards the seat so you can have something to... <laughs> it hurts so much. So if I put that lumbar support pillow, it just bridges that gap, yeah, and it allows yeah. me to, like, sit in a different way. And I... I, it will still bother me. Like if I had to drive for five hours, it would still get to me, Yeah. but I can't even last an hour like without that. Wow. So it's, it, it is definitely that like positioning mm-hmm. for sure that like really gets me. But, um, I, I definitely am a lot better than I used to be. I can really tell, um, I can really tell that I'm a lot better. I can really tell, um, when I'm working on it actively besides when I'm not working on it, it I can really tell the difference. And so it just motivates me to keep being diligent and just keep, you know, working on it and trying to get better in hopes that, you know, one day maybe I just don't have this anymore at all, which would be mm-hmm. nice. But I did want to say one thing. Um, Steffi Cohen, which I think we've maybe brought her up on the podcast before. I'm not sure. I know that I definitely talked about her like two people in the gym, um, but she's somebody that I followed on Instagram for a lot of years and she has written a book, which I which I want to read. Um, it's called back in motion. And anyway, she talks a lot about like how chronic low back pain is really tied a lot into your like psyche and a lot into your 
just your thoughts and your emotions. And, and so it makes it very hard to treat over time. And, um, she talks about like the different ways to like approach, um, like rehab for that kind of stuff. And she talks a lot about it, like on her, her podcast. And then she's, she goes on other people's podcasts. She was just on, um, Savan, Savan's podcast. If anybody mm. listens to him, um, she was good on there. She kind of talked about it a little bit, but, um, Anyway, I definitely think it's worth like, especially if, you know, if, if you're a person, back pain is very common. So if you're a person like dealing with that, like maybe looking into her and seeing if there's, you know, some like insight you could gain, like from that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Cause I mean, even if it's not back pain, even, even if it's like knee pain, if it's something that you've been dealing with for five years and it's a chronic thing, maybe it's shoulder pain. Maybe it's like everybody might have their own thing. Right. Um, after years of that, it's like, it's all wrapped up in your emotions oh, yeah. at that point. At that point, it's just so like, I mean, obviously there's pain present, but there's also like, you begin to expect pain. Mm-hmm. It's like, you oh, get like a feedback this. loop, right? right? Yep, yeah. Yep. It's like self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, this is going to hurt my shoulder. And then of course, like it does end up hurting right, your shoulder yeah. or yeah, just like mm-hmm. whatever. It's so. very... It's very mental. It's a very interesting like way to look at it because when you first hear that perspective that pain can be heavily tied into your emotions and beliefs and the way you perceive things. I remember when I first heard it, I'm like, that sounds silly. Like if I'm feeling pain, I'm feeling pain. It's like I either feel it or I don't. Like I don't. Yeah, it's so not that simple. (laughs) Right. Like when you begin to realize that the sensation of of pain is a message that's being sent to your brain and your brain is interpreting it. Mm-hmm. Like you begin to realize that there can be a lot of different reasons why you feel pain, not just because like there's something wrong, yeah. right? That's like, well, something, something's wrong, but your yeah. body might not be broken. Do you feel like, <laughs> I feel like this is a good segue and maybe we should um, like wrap it up with this conversation, but You recently wrote a blog article about deadlifts. Um, I talk about my back all the time. I just literally right before this podcast did a, um, I did the deadlifts from Thursday and I'm actually like feeling super good. And Mm -hmm. so I am wondering how, um, how people are feeling with this deadlift and just like talking a little bit about like that whole emotional and when you have the expectation that like, oh, heavy deadlifts are going to hurt my back. But it's like, are they though? Mm-hmm. Are, what are you doing? Like, how are you like standing in your own way of being able to make progress on these deadlifts because of some fear that you have, whether it's uh, what degree of irrational that is. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that there's a lot of like, I don't want to say irrational. Maybe that's not the word, but there's a lot of um, fear wrapped around that that is unnecessary, I think. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, there's, you can definitely overdo the deadlifts just like you can overdo anything. But what about this like fear that people have like about it? I think. And how do you like work on improving that so that you can actually like also improve your deadlifts too. And just not always be like afraid of it. You know what I mean? 
I'm thinking my brain is like going in two different directions because they're two. Well, you can pick a direction, <laughs> or I can keep talking while you think about it if you want me to. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think the reason why deadlift, a lot of people are afraid of deadlift, is because lower back pain is extremely common. And, and scary. And scary. And people are afraid they're going to have it forever. Yep. And yep. I think yep. a lot of times, um, I will say really quick, a lot of times people cannot distinguish the difference between a back pump, like yes. feeling that muscle that is like full of blood and like really like pumped and actual like pain, injury, pain. pain yeah. Chart. Yep. 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 So that's an important dis- uh, difference to, to make as well. Like just learning the difference between those two things can help you a lot. Not getting freaked out when you like do have like a lower back pump, that muscle fatigue. I think experience helps with that. I think like when you feel that like the horrible back pump from maybe, you know, high volume deadlifts in a workout or something, and then it goes away and you're not permanently damaged from it. I think that can help build some confidence that like, oh yeah, this is just like having a quad pump or a shoulder burn or it's, it's basically a positive feedback loop versus a negative. Mm-hmm. Not in like the traditional scientific sense, but like positive is like mm-hmm. good and negative isn't isn't bad. It's yeah. like the more you do something and you see a good effect, like the more confidence you build in that. Yeah. Whereas if you are repeatedly like having an issue with yeah. it. The thing is, though, it's like if you're having a negative experience with the deadlift, there is such a stigma around the deadlift that it's like it, it starts to become a oh it's just because it's a deadlift and yeah it like feeds into your you. yeah yeah and I'm kind of trying to gather my thoughts but yeah so that like feeds into your whole thing we're like we're like oh well there's already the stigma around the deadlift I'm already like afraid of it and so any mm-hmm. little like twinge or any little like tweak or right. any back pump that I'm feeling then oh, I have to immediately back off or, oh, deadlifts are bad. And then it just reinforces that whole like negative association that you have with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've definitely had a negative association with deadlifts for a long time. Um, I've been diligently working on them for a lot of years and I have definitely gotten better. And I think, um, Kyle and I talked about it too, maybe on the podcast. I'm not sure if it, sometimes I forget if what I've actually talked about on the podcast, as opposed to like conversations I've had with people. But, um, when we were talking about doing this deadlift cycle, we were referring to people who were more experienced, like not their whole, like, one rep max and really pushing the envelope on deadlift becomes something that's not as important to you anymore because Mm -hmm. they've been injured and they don't want to like repeat that injury. And I totally get that. Um, I, I totally get that if you have like a past, you know, bad experience that it's very hard to overcome that. And I think the way to like combat that and to like get better is just to be super diligent about your positioning and just to work up small increments over time. You know what I mean? And also like make sure you're nice and warm. I think one thing that people, um, I don't know if you notice this when you're coaching, but I do notice a lot of, of a lack of like leg, leg drive and like using really, really thinking about like pushing that floor away. Hamstrings back. It it pretty much turns into like a dead rdl instead of a deadlift yeah i mean even 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 people who don't have a super like deep hinge like can still experience that because it it really happens i mean for me really a lot of that back engagement comes from when you're already have it picked up off the floor Mm -hmm. so like 
definitely you're using the legs to break it off the floor, but are you continuing that leg drive all mm-hmm. the way to the top or do you straighten those knees and then literally it's Just all back? It with your back? Do you not keep your upper back tight? As soon as you let your lats go even a little bit and round your shoulders forward, it's literally all going to pull on that lower mm-hmm. back or yeah. possibly your hamstrings. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah, I think... I talked a lot, Gabe. Did you get your, uh, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, <now? laughs> you gave me time. You bought me some time. Okay. But I think this like notion that people have that deadlift is bad for their back ties into a larger overarching theme, which is it's not that deadlifts are bad for backs. It's deadlift is a symptomatic movement for you right now. So like that doesn't mean it will always be like that and it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do anything about it but you know like let's take like a deadlift like what if you propped your deadlift up like two inches on plates like and you normally have symptoms with your deadlift like Mm -hmm. from the floor like if you propped up your deadlift and John actually did this to help with his hip a little bit different issue but kind of same idea it's like you can still deadlift it's just a little bit different now. Yeah. And it's like you have and to. It's kind of like squatting to a box, doing an yeah. elevated deadlift. Yeah. It's like sure. it can be hard to do, but you have to. You have to start taking a less absolute approach to things you can and cannot do. Like saying deadlift is bad for your back is like deadlifts are bad for me they're always going to be and i can't do anything about it whereas you need to think of your body as this like the state of your body and like the like the amount of forces it can handle and the things it can do is ever changing Mm -hmm. depending on like you know like what workout did you just do like what kind of fatigue are you under Mm -hmm. like what kind of sleep did you get it's always ebbing and flowing and Mm -hmm. you have to have the awareness to make sure that you're giving yourself the appropriate stimulus like working that, within right? your means yeah right i think that that's why i think that's a good way to say that Gabe, because i think that that's what we've been trying to say this whole time when we talk about training and how your training is not necessarily linear and that you shouldn't be discouraged that you know um you're not able to like add percentage every week like maybe you're not yes. able to do that you know yes. what i mean yes and i actually have a really good experience about this i i had a friend who was talking to me and you know like goes to a gym bench presses wants to test his one rep max Mm -hmm. and he was talking to me and he's like i did a one rep max and then i I tested it a week later to see if i was like maintaining my strength and it went down and you know what i'm saying yeah so like I'm just surprised that a person would be surprised that they couldn't get their one rep max again. His perspective is like, I hit a one rep max. That's how strong I am flat out all the time. And if I like, if that goes down that I'm losing strength, whereas he didn't realize that like when you hit a one rep max, like you're at a peak and then you need time to like recover from that and then build back up. And like, you know, like it's like, all out strength or performance is never like your constant, right? Like when you're training, mm-hmm. your performance is like, I don't know what you would like 70, 
I mean, kind of like comparable to percentages you would work for like training your deadlift. Like you're probably hanging around at like a 75-ish percent mm-hmm. area. And then when you peak, it's like you're going to 100%. You're not going to be 100% like constantly. I mean, all the stars align. You feel amazing. You get your all-time lifetime yes. PR on the deadlift. That may never be a repeatable yeah. um, instance for you. On the other side of that, um, I think a lot of times we limit ourselves uh, with, you know, thinking like, I'll never be able to do that or I can't do that. And then when you finally do it, it unlocks a potential within mm-hmm. you. And then next week you're able to do more. Right. So I think that it can go both ways, but I think if you're not taking your fatigue into consideration, um, because you're not in a vacuum, every right. time you test your one rep max, you're not under the same conditions. You're not, you haven't done the same workouts. You haven't had the same sleep. You haven't had the same food. Like or, there's no way to control all yes. that. Or every time you train too. Like if you did deadlifts last week, I mean, we're on a cycle where we're deadlifting once a week. Like maybe, you know, you could have done like a posterior chain heavy workout the day before your, you know, deadlift training this week, but not last week. So like. You're able to lift heavier last week and then it wasn't didn't feel as strong this right. week. Right. Like, um this, there was all sorts of factors that play this into week that. is weird because so I was talking to Brock about well, this. Well, I'm not like well, did we even have any posterior chain? That was just No, an example but I was I'm just gonna say of. I'm gonna give a real life example. I'm gonna give okay. my personal anecdotal example. <laughs> yes, okay. Um the very first week that we were on the cycle, my deadlifts felt absolutely terrible, and I just think it's because I'd been out of the practice of doing them. Um And then the second week they went a little bit better. And then this week they felt super good. But this week my legs are actually pretty fatigued, honestly, Mm -hmm. because, um, Monday, (laughs) Monday's workout was those pistols and the lunges. And the pain of that was so real to go from 30 lunges to 60 pistols back to 30 lunges. That was just awful, awful leg burn. Like just Mm -hmm. so bad to have to like push through that because I'm, I was only holding a 35 pound dumbbell and like, I'm pretty strong in the lunge. And so it was just amazing how much that hurt. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, what was Tuesdays? Why am I forgetting what Tuesday was? Tuesday, 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 Tuesday. What did we do game? Oh, what did we do? Yesterday we had snatch. Tuesday was squats. Okay. Front so then squats Tuesdays was bike. the front squats and the echo bike, which is very leg fatiguing. The, mm, the echo bike yeah. is a real, just think about the fact that you only did two minutes of work and how long you were wrecked after that, especially if you did like, you know, that comes from that send pace, which is very similar to doing like a one rep max. I mean, you have sent it like your recovery from that is long. Like you have, you have messed things up inside your body doing that (laughs) and it needs time to repair for sure. And so, and then, yeah. And then Wednesday was, we did a bunch of squat, um, squatting with the snatch and then it was the, it was running. It was quite a bit of running like in the workout. And so today when I went to do the deadlifts, like my legs are feeling kind of fatigued, but honestly, sometimes having a little bit of fatigue really turns you on, really makes you like hypersensitive and like hyper aware to the fact that like, man, I really have to have my shit together because I know I'm a little bit fatigued. And so sometimes that can really actually help you Mm -hmm. as long as you're, you know, sticking within your means and you're not like doing something crazy because, you know, if you are fatigued and you are still trying to push it, that might actually be a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. But I actually felt super good with a little bit tired legs. Yeah. So I had a similar experience. There was one 
week that I got really sore glutes from like lunges or something. And then I think we went to do squats. And normally during the squat, I don't feel my glutes very much. Not that they're not working. I just like don't feel fatigue in them mm-hmm. very much. But because my glutes were already fatigued, like I could feel them a ton in like my, my back squat or front squat or whatever mm-hmm. we're doing. And it's like I was able to like, I felt like I was able to engage them more mm-hmm. or be more aware of them more just because aware, I yeah. was like, I was feeling them more. So yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. In a similar vein. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just important to kind of like kind of two different points. Like imagine you have like an appointment to be somewhere like 10 in the morning or something like that. And it takes 30 minutes to get there. So I was like, okay, only takes 30 minutes to get there. I'll wake up at 930 and then go. <laughs> it's like, no, you need to take into account like the five minutes that you're going to spend laying in bed after your alarm goes off because you don't want to get up. Mm-hmm. The, you know, changing you clothes, <laughs> yeah. brushing your teeth, getting cleaned up, eating breakfast, all that stuff. So it's like the same thing with your, well, deadlifts, but any movement, you know, it's like you have to be aware of like, all the compounding factors that are at play and mm-hmm. be able to kind of within the same day, like realize this is how I'm feeling. It's probably better that I do this, this, and this or something like that. Like mm-hmm. just, you know, whether it be loading a different variation of a movement, something like that. Yeah, and I mean, obviously it's hard to do, but you get better at it with time. Get your training in really being in tune with your body. Um, really not being worried about like, well, am I just being a little bitch? You know what I mean? (laughs) Am I being an LB? It's like, um, sometimes that's what you need to be in order to continue to be an injury free human. (laughs) Right. I think the second point I wanted to make is like, there's no, I might've wrote this in one of my blogs before, but there's no such thing as a bad exercise. They're just just bad people. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Really cruddy people. <laughs> no, there's just like they all go to WCFM. <laughs> there's no such thing as a bad exercise. There's just a bad time or bad circumstances under which to do that exercise. Mm-hmm. So for you, like take for example, like if, if you had some lower back issues, mm-hmm. and you know that typically deadlifts, you know, kind of like flared up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, deadlifts, I just want to say really quick, deadlifts don't, don't really flare it up. It's not right. deadlifts. It's usually back squats are actually worse than deadlifts. Okay. And I like the GHG machine is very scary mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> for all around movements. So like, let's imagine like phantom Shannon, not actual Shannon. Okay. I mean, I didn't know if you were talking directly <laughs> No, no, no. I'm not, I, I'm not talking just, of like, just like you. Just being in general. Whoever's Got it. Okay. Like imagine you like deadlifts just so happen to be symptomatic for the back pain yeah. that you experience got it got it right gabe i feel like you've gotten further away from the microphone oh do i <laughs> okay go are you picking me up now i've been quiet this whole time yeah <laughs> it's not gonna be my fault this time <laughs> look at all that red on yours and then like all that like pink on yeah <laughs> all right go you're more um, mellow than me I'm high. I'm very strong. mellow. I'm high. Strong. I'm also tired this morning too, so that might play a role into it. You, yeah. You uh, had what was you, I? Uh, what was I talking? Okay, imagine you had an example that I keep interrupting. Yes, you keep <laughs> interrupting me. Um, okay, so you have back issues, and deadlifts just so happen to be an exercise that can instigate the symptoms that you're experiencing. Got it. So let's say 
you come in and you don't do anything. It's like one, like two ends of the spectrum. You completely avoid the deadlift and you don't try to find any variation of the deadlift, whether it be by modifying the loading or the positioning or like range of motion. Mm -hmm. Or you're just like, well, I'm going to deadlift and not be a little, you know, a little B. <laughs> you know, it's An like, LB. right. You cannot, you can't blame the deadlift. Right. right. Because you haven't tried to find a way to work around it and still train that movement. Or you just are being negligent and pushing through a range of motion or a loading that you shouldn't be. And yeah. You're not, you know, training appropriately. I think that that's where like the coaching can be super helpful. Um, mm -hmm. If you're honest with your coach and communicative with your coach, yes. like you have good communication and you're like, hey, it really bothers me to like crack it off the floor right and like yeah a coach might be like all right so what we're gonna do is we're gonna do rdls or we're gonna do or we're gonna pull from we're gonna pull from plates. blocks yeah we're going yes. to you know or it could be no it's the hinge it's the lockout it's the right okay right. um then let's let's do single leg rdls mm -hmm. let's do i mean maybe you know maybe your load is like super limited like you know, I can't pick up anything. So then it's like, yeah, we're probably going to have you do like RDLs and stuff that like will definitely benefit you. Yeah. Um, for sure. And like on the other end of the spectrum, people that like, you know, maybe you need to push through. Like if you, yeah, tempo, that's, that's another thing too that will, that can help. But like if you have back symptoms and you know that deadlifts can at times Bother, bother those symptoms if you if you don't address your technique and you don't use appropriate loading and you don't you know modify appropriately so that you can still perform the deadlift in a way that doesn't cause you pain mm -hmm. you you can't you can't blame the deadlift well also you can't move forward and you can't make progress yeah because like if you it, it, it is really important like and you know sometimes like if you if like not as common of an issue but if you have really bad pain like in the moment like maybe you can't deadlift for today like yeah. that's happened sometimes too you know like you know and can't it might deadlift, be appropriate to like for like you know like don't always avoid the deadlift but for today yeah this is what we have to do this is like the backup plan that we have to do because like we, there's no other way to work around it but yeah, like 100%. for the most part like if you're if you know if you're experiencing mild symptoms like for sure like not pleasant symptoms mm -hmm. but you know objectively mild symptoms mm -hmm. like you know one you need to you need to find a way to still do the movement without causing you pain because if you just avoid it you are always going to associate the movement with pain and you're not going to be able to get past that point until you do find mm -hmm. a way to work with it. And two, if you're a person that has had like, you know, if you've like had a day where you pull a deadlift or you do a squat and it's like, oh, snap my back, mm -hmm. you know, something happened, you know, like muscle, pull the muscle, yeah. pull the muscle, something. And it's like, muscle uh, and then you, yeah. you know, take a little bit of time, you know, you do what you got to do to get back to where you want to be. Next time around, like feels good. I know we're training like sets of three at 85%, but I want to go for a three rep max. You can't blame the deadlift because mm -hmm. you're not like the loading needs to be appropriate mm -hmm. and 
the technique needs to be correct mm -hmm. like every single time i think it can help your mentality if you think about long term yes think about over yes, time yes, yes. think about that sort of stuff instead of being in your immediate moment instead mm -hmm. of thinking like ego driven of like well i just want to post I don't want to be embarrassed to post my deadlift weight or I just want to post like a high deadlift number or yes. I'll be embarrassed to post a low number because people won't know. They'll just think I'm being an LB or something. And right. that's really, people do not think that if they see something like that, they're assuming that there's something, something wrong. wrong that you're going easy on the deadlift or you've made some modifications mm -hmm. because of some pain or something you're experiencing. And so Think long-term, think over time. You can't avoid deadlifting your entire life. Like you need to find a way to build it back up and to work on it so that you can actually get better at this thing over time. Yep. Um, you may always be limited. You may never get to a 400, 500 pound deadlift, but you don't need that to be a fit individual. You don't mm. need that. You do need some sort of proficiency though to be fit in the deadlift. Like you do need some proficiency in that. Right. It's like... Maybe you'll never pull 400 like pound deadlift, but maybe you could pull like a 275 or a 315 pound deadlift. That's still pretty cool. And yeah. it's sure a lot better than like not ever deadlifting at all. Let's right? just be functional with it. It right, doesn't need um, to be the heaviest deadlift ever, but let's just be a functional person. Let's be able to pick stuff up off the floor. Right. Let's right. just be able to do that. Cause you're going to have to do that at some point. Yeah. And I mean, and we're, you, we're like, like beating a dead horse with the back and the deadlift <laughs> thing. But I mean, it kind of goes for a lot of any, things. Any, like any pull-ups are bad for your shoulder. It's right. Like, like it's the same Any argument. movement, like it, just any exercise pretty much like that you might experience pain with the same, same principle. Mm -hmm. um, there was something else I was going to say and I'm losing it. Sorry. Oh, okay. You're talking about people being worried about like, okay, I'm modifying if I modify, I'm going to post a score that people might look at and think like, What's, judge it, somehow. judge it. I, there's probably people that struggle with that. I think probably what is more common is people being like, well, I can, or I used to deadlift 275 for three. So like, I want to do that today because if I don't hit that number, then that means I'm getting weaker. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. like also need to like, there's a balance to be struck, like looking at the past and be like, okay, like I want to get stronger and stronger mm -hmm. and stronger and like using that as a metric. But you also need to realize that like maybe your current circumstances don't suit that. I mean, maybe you are getting weaker, but let's think about the well, big picture. That, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why? What are the contributing factors? And what are things you could do about it? Because you're not a helpless person. Like, you, mm -hmm. there are always things that you can be working on and things that you can do. A, a lot of it is just not letting your ego get in the way, I think. Yes, 100%. A lot of it is um, thinking long-term, not worrying about what other people not are thinking and not comparing yourself to others because the comparison is really difficult considering that... Um, you have no idea that person might be literally feeling the best they've ever felt. Mm -hmm. And so they're performing super well. 
right. and then you look at that person and you're like oh well I'm not performing as well as them you know and it's just like but they're having their best day ever and mm-hmm. you're injured or you're having a bad day because you're sick or you haven't slept well or you're just <laughs> more tired or maybe they have had a day of rest they're just you have no idea what they've been doing with themselves before they got to the gym or whatever that day. So trying to compare yourself like that is super difficult. That's also where, um, I would like that comparison over time to like come in, um, come into play because it's, it's like your averages that matter in the end. It's not your one-off like amazing performance. Right. Yeah. It's like when you're having the worst day ever, everyone else is having the best day ever, right? Like, that's just what your perception is. It's your perception. Right. But honestly, though, people do. I mean, think about it. Like, you've come in here. You've felt super amazing. And you've really been proud of yourself. Like, you've hit a yeah. really awesome workout. You've PR'd some lift that you've been stuck at. Um, you've broke through some ceiling that you've had, some mental mm. breakthrough. Like, you've done something amazing and felt awesome. Like, everybody has had those days. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you're not having that kind of day compared to someone who is like, it makes you feel worse about your situation, Mm -hmm. but you just need to remember that you are also that person. Sometimes you're also that person where all cylinders are firing. The roles are reversed. You're doing amazing. So it's that, it's that over time. It's that average over time. It's not your like one-off bad days and your one-off good days. Most of the time your days are just okay. Yeah. Most of the time you're just okay. You're not amazing and you're not terrible. Right. <laughs> I think another thing that plays into that idea of having a long-term perspective rather than a short-term, I think a lot of people too, when they like, maybe they have a day where they need to take a step back from a movement and just flat out not do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they extrapolate that like from that day to the rest of time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like, I'm always going to avoid deadlifts too. So it's a, that's where having a long-term view becomes very helpful because you realize, you know, when you do have a bad day or you do need to make a change like that, you realize that you had to make a change based on the circumstance, circumstances that were presented to you and that it can be different next time mm-hmm. or sometime in the future. Yeah. Like it's not, there's no like absolutes with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So one last thing that I want to say before we sign off, um, I would like to start doing super specific gymnastics clinics. Um, I think that people are definitely interested in uh, getting more proficient and getting better at gymnastics as a whole. Mm -hmm. However, when you're thinking about a clinic, um, it has to be super specific and you can't be super overwhelmed. Like you need to basically learn one thing at a time with it. So the first one I'm going to do, um, I need to make a post about it, but the first one I'm going to do is going to be on the 7th of November and I'm going to do a butterfly pull-ups. Ooh, so you've decided. Yes. I've just seen a lot of people recently really want to learn them Mm -hmm. and there are definitely people in this gym who are capable, but just need some like one-on-one attention with it. So, um, if it goes well, which I think that it will and should be fine, I would like to start doing like a bunch of them, just like an hour long. You choose which ones are pertinent to you. There's all different levels of gymnastics. Like right now I have a bunch of people on a strict ring muscle up program. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's prerequisites to that. The ring muscle up is one of the most, 
um, complicated movements that we do. And you obviously need to have a lot of layers of strength and um, consistency and skills built up over time to be able to like do those. So not everybody's ready for that. So I would like to do all different levels. Um, Sometimes, you know, I might want to do like get your first pull up or regular kipping pull ups, or maybe we need chest to bar pull ups, butterfly pull ups, bar muscle ups, handstand push ups. There's a lot of things like that where, um, I can help people with different levels, but what's helpful is that I help one level at a time. Mm-hmm. So, um, there will be prerequisites for the butterfly pull up, um, clinic. I think that if you can do five kipping pull-ups in a row, like consistently, like say in a workout, you could do five rounds of five kipping pull-ups. I think that that's a good base for being able to learn some butterflies. Um, you also need some strict pull-ups. Um, I think I put in the description one strict pull-up. Um, I would actually prefer that you were able to like repeat one strict pull-up and not just literally your all-out effort is mm-hmm. one strict pull-up. Yeah. It really does take a good basis of strength to be able to do any volume of butterfly mm. pull-ups. And so, um, I want to keep the clinics like pretty small too, so I can actually work with people and actually help people. So I'm thinking like eight people or less. Um, it actually is live to sign up for it right now. Um, mm. I haven't like advertised it though, but it is under events in push press. So there'll be eight spots. It's going to cost $20. Um, it'll be like an hour long and we'll run through progressions. And then towards the end, I'll just help you. Like everybody's a little bit different on what they need to work on and what specific like problem area they're having. And so I'll be able to like identify that, help you then like the next time we're either warming up or it's in a workout or you have extra time and you want to like work on it, you'll have like a good direction or like a good, um, progression or something that like you can work on to like help get better at it. So I'm hoping to kind of like start doing some of those over the winter when I have some more time here to like help people. So I would definitely be looking for some feedback if people are interested in doing that sort of stuff. So the 7th of November, I'm going to do a butterfly pull up clinic for eight lucky people who get signed up. (laughs) Nice. Yep. So if you had feedback, make sure to, uh, relentlessly uh, spam Shannon's email. <laughs> her email is shannon at warriorcfm.com. That's true. I don't You can also email, find though. her on Facebook. Just you can kidding. send her some messages on Facebook Messenger. Yep. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Don't forget Instagram. At Shannon Stout one. Very, uh, very original. You got there. a MySpace? Very, uh, uh no. Did Actually, you ever have a MySpace? No, I'm oh. too old for that. I was hoping you like had some sort of like MySpace page that's been tucked away for years. Uh, that you haven't like ever. No, I'm a little <laughs> bit too old. Like I was already like married. I'm just a little bit too old to have had the MySpace. Oh, just yeah. a little bit by yeah. like a few years. Cause yeah. I don't think I got Facebook till 07, maybe 07, 08. So I didn't get any social media till then. And so MySpace was a little bit before that, but that was a little bit after my like high school college years. So I'm a little bit, um, what I had was MSN instant messenger. Wow. That's, I did a lot of that, like in college and stuff basically like that. just texting. <laughs> well, typing on the computer because oh, our phones didn't really yeah, text message yeah. Gabe at that yeah. time. <laughs> Sending an email. Yes. I sent emails. I had like totally had a hotmail account, like me <laughs> and my boyfriend, who is my husband now, he, we would totally email and instant oh, message, like constantly. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Like he, legit for the longest time too, I had a folder of all the emails he ever sent me 
And one time... Do you still time, have that? No, not anymore. Oh, dang. But That'd I remember, be such a cool little time capsule. I, I, I remember... I don't think I have access to my Hotmail account anymore. Oh. So this would have been a Hotmail account that I would have made probably like my senior year of high school or something yeah. like that. So, so I'm in college. Um, he would like email me. And for the longest time, I did have access to that account. And I did like keep them all in a folder. And I mm. remember when I lived um, in our house in Riverside, which would have been between 06 and like 09 or maybe like 10, 2010, like around mm-hmm. in there. So he would have been sending me these emails probably like early 2000s. So I had probably hung on to these things for like eight years or wow. something like that. I remember I read through them all one time and my jaw just like dropped to the floor. It was so embarrassing. All I was the like, these said. are unreal. All like, the cheesy stuff. Oh my God. I've it, said that before too. Like you, <laughs> it's crazy. You'll like, I don't know, just have like a text conversation, you know, it, it's, I mean, obviously like a relationship kind of conversation is yeah. more embarrassing because, <laughs> you know, but anyway, like you look at messages from like a couple of years ago and like, oh my God, oh, like, <laughs> like, I can't what, believe I thought those things and I said, what kind of around. frame of mind was I into like, write that, yeah. <laughs> write that out? Why did I word it that way? Yeah. Um, Why did I say that? But yeah, so no, it wasn't even like, just like mushy stuff necessarily. It was just more like the content. And the things that we were like worried about, like oh. we would, you could fight over email and instant messenger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For so sure. like, think about sending an angry email to like a boyfriend. <sighs> oh, just half of them were just all in two thousand and one. Wow. Yeah, and then it's just like it's just funny. It was just that's such an interesting like pocket of time because it's like you have to think like forever like. It's such a you had to be there era because it's like <laughs> yeah. it was like the same for such a long time before that and then we've like accelerated to a point where it's going to be like it's just this narrow like 10 to 20 year period of time where like technology was like newer and it was like in a very awkward yeah stage. i mean it's all been like emerging so fast like i can't yeah, even believe yep. from like the stuff that we've been doing just from like four years ago to now right so yep, yep. um yeah it's been crazy so so yeah that so i i i, I skipped over the that few years of the myspace era mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's crazy thing too because i was born in 98 so like I was growing up with technology as yeah. it was progressing. Like I can still remember like some older things like my dad having like one of those like old Nokia phones that were like didn't flip or anything. It was like yeah. buttons on the front, yep. like kind of like green screen. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, I was thinking of another piece of technology like that, that I very like, I have memories of. Yeah. Or it was very much like a product of its time. I mean, kind of the quickly... cell phones are definitely the easiest way to kind of track the progression of yeah. technology. But um, um, what was it? I don't what know what it? else you would have had. I don't know. I just have memories of that, like seeing things that are kind of like antiquated. Yeah. Not in like, maybe not necessarily antiquated, just kind of different and like strange. Mm-hmm. You know, like thinking of... Cause I'm, I can't, I'm not sure how, like when MySpace would have been released, but as I was like in middle school, like pretty young, like Facebook was a thing and mm-hmm. I wanted a Facebook and then Instagram came. I'm like, I don't want to do Instagram. I don't, yeah. I don't want to have to post a photo. And then I'm like, Oh, I prefer Instagram. Yeah. Right. Facebook. I know. So I know. Like, I know. It was just interesting. Like, I feel like I was in a very like interesting period of time because I grew up with technology as yeah. it was progressing. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
But you're going to be like highly adaptable because of that. Right. Right. Which is, it's a positive thing. But I also think that when I was young, which I think I actually wanted to bring this up as a topic, not today, but I think it would be a good topic for a podcast somewhere, some well, point in the future. Well, don't start because we're an hour, 22 minutes I know. In. I'm not going to start it, <laughs> but I'm going to bring mention up. Mention it? Okay. I'm going to mention it. Because when you're young, you really, really want, like when I was young, I really, really wanted a Facebook and my parents didn't want me to have one. Mm-hmm. So I just Was it because they didn't understand it or was it because they were trying to like, quote unquote, save you from what social media can do to you? Well, I think that was, yeah, I think it was both, right? Because like, you don't understand, I think a little bit of it was like not understanding. Mm-hmm. I think they still understood the fact that like, I wanted to like socialize. I think it was mainly like, you know, trying to protect you from obviously the negative effects of so social media. So I had media. that same thought about my daughter getting Snapchat. Ugh, Snapchat is such a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> but It doesn't have to be, but it for sure can be. But I really had to like put myself in my daughter's shoes and really think about like how important it is to be social and how important your social life is when you're 14 years old. Um, and how it can really shape you for the rest of your life. Like that time in your life can be very damaging if you're like really having a hard time socially, right? Yes. I mean, that's where you're really like learning how to be social, yes. right? And learning yourself and how to interact with people and mm-hmm. how to deal with your anxieties and insecurities and like all that stuff. And so I really tried to put myself in her shoes and really like, okay, what am I saving her from by not allowing her to have Snapchat? Especially considering during the pandemic when we were just all at home, she had no way to communicate with people hardly. Like right. everybody's on group chats on Snapchat. You know what, what I mean? And so it was just like, do I, do I really like isolate my daughter from this stuff or do I allow her to use it and then just kind of like learn the process and then like, yeah, if you fuck up on your social media, well, that's, that is a lesson for you to learn. Like what kind of everlasting damage is she going to get from maybe being exposed to something inappropriate or having something happen on the social media as opposed to not having it and then also dealing with, it's like there, there's like a no win situation with it almost in this day and age. So I, for me personally, as I was growing up, I really wanted it. And like, it was newer. So like people, there wasn't research on the social effects of social media. And nowadays it's like becoming clear that like, there's quite a lot of negative to it. (laughs) Yes. If you are exposed to social media or if you use, I guess I shouldn't say exposed, but if you use social media before you're mature enough to handle it responsibly, I would say, and kind of realize that like the things that people post or more often than not kind of a front. Yeah. More or less like, yeah, for sure. I mean, it can, especially, I, th- I can't remember what, you know, the research was, but I think especially among young teenage girls, <laughs> like the amount of social anxiety and insecurity that can be brought forth as a result of social media is pretty substantial. And I remember too, like for me, I remember plenty of times, like either, I mean, there's a lot of embarrassing things that happen on social media (laughs) when I was younger, but you know, like, you know, you can, even if you have a social media account, you can feel left out, Yeah, you know, and you can still feel like people are like, you know, like you, like you're not adding up to what other people are. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think if you do let 
I feel like social media is something that you shouldn't blindly let your children use. If you're going to let them use it, I think you need to like teach them about it. Teach. Yeah. Teach they them. Like don't, the, don't, don't spy on them, but like you need the, to like, you need to be engaged and like obviously take an interest. You need to know the positive and the negative. Yeah. And like you need them. to know, like this thing going around right now is like how Instagram's fake. Like everything's <laughs> oh, yeah. filtered. So like everything's Photoshop. So keep in mind that people don't really look like that. Like, you know, having those types of conversations with your teenager, they're perfectly capable of understanding that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. Oh, and yeah. the problem is I was a teenage girl before all this stuff came out. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult time. Literally, no matter what you do, oh, there's yeah. no way to escape. There's no way to escape it. Yeah. There's just no way. It doesn't matter whether you have social media or not, because if you don't have it, well, you're being bullied for that. Right. If you do have it, well, then that's a tool to be bullied. There's uh-huh. just no yeah. way to escape that. You need to learn how to deal with it. And there's no other way. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's the unfortunate part about it is I don't think necessarily social media is like good or bad or that you should shelter your kids from it or not. Like, obviously you make that decision, you know, for your, for yourself. Right. But I think it's important to put yourself in the shoes of a teenager and really try to like understand, you know, and just like, remember back to when you were a teenager, like what were some things that your parents could have done to help you have an easier time? You know, could they have taught you some things that like maybe would have helped you, you right, know, right. instead of just being like, oh, you don't need social media. Right. Or, I'm not going to allow you to have that or do that. You know what I mean? And, and they weren't. Yeah, my parents weren't like that, <laughs> but like they still like, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I don't yeah. know if my parents would have been honestly, because, of course, I didn't have any of that. They didn't have those right, options right, to make, yeah. you know, those decisions to yeah. make or whatever. But yeah. I mean, like as I've as, uncharted territory, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, like it's just interesting for me because as always, as I was younger, when I was younger, I like really, really, really wanted it. And as I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of distanced myself from it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't have Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat on my phone anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I might check it on my laptop yeah. once in a while just to see what's going on. But yeah, I've, for me personally, I've just realized that it's not as, for me personally, there are, I think social media has probably affected me negatively more than it has positively. So hmm. that's kind of why I've, yeah, I mean, to, like you I've need, kind of distanced myself you from You need it. to realize that about yourself. Like you yes. need to decide for yourself, like what is cap- what you're capable of for me social media has never been an issue right other than the time suck that it is for me yeah yeah i, that's I a, can that's become like too. addicted yep, to yep, it yep. but as far as other people affecting me negatively about what people post like i'm very immune to all that i really yeah. don't care yep i i guess for myself when i was younger i was more susceptible to that like seeing what other people were doing uh-huh. or you know worrying like about what other people yeah. thought of me but i found that like like obviously that became less of a factor for me. Mm-hmm. But even just not having, like, not nothing to do with it, because obviously I still check it from time to time. Yeah. But just not, like, well, having it... for business, Gabe. I know. <laughs> but just not having it, like, as in front of me. Like, yeah, I, mean, I feel like it's really just kind of, like... I feel like it's been a good change for me personally. Yeah. If you're a person who gets riled up, like if you see political things or things you don't agree with that like gets you riled up and then that gets you on like a rant and that gets you in like a negative state of mind or if you're pulled into arguments online um, from like Twitter or Facebook, then yeah, it's probably a good idea for you to not be on it. 
Yeah. I am not sucked into any of that yeah. stuff. It's kind of hard for, for me. me to, it's pure entertainment. Right. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to describe because I never had any of those issues where I would like get pulled in arguments. Yeah, everybody's it really fired different. Up. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, hey, I don't have to worry about that. now. <laughs> like, I don't check. Like, I don't have to check it all the time. I don't yeah. have to like respond like respond to a message or like look and through and see what like it's just like one less thing for you don't me have to worry, to worry about. about the overall stupidity of people that are on yeah there. yeah yeah i don't know it's like i am uh see that's why it's entertaining to me because i'm always amazed at the things <laughs> that people are willing to comment and put on facebook or put on that stuff i'm always like what are you doing and so to yeah. me i i find it more of like funny and i like i like it more for like entertainment and so i've never been personally it doesn't ever personally affect me like negatively as far as like my self-esteem or like jealousy or i'm not pulled into online arguments like i don't have any of that stuff but i understand if you do if it's something that's toxic for you you should not do it i get it totally totally understand so anyway gabe i think we're good to go what do you think yeah i think so too one tip if you (laughs) okay okay one more (laughs) If you go through a breakup, don't get on social media at all. Oh. <laughs> Take a break from it for That's like Gabe's tip. six months. That's a good tip. That is a good tip. Good tip. All right, guys. We'll see you in the gym. See ya.